It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and as the music at the beginning of this episode would denote, it is an Articles of News episode, and I'm joined by the Best of State Award winner for 171 years running, Annette Luthie Lyon. Congratulations and welcome. Thanks for being here to do news. Thank you. So good to be here. Now, people will ask, what in the world did you win Best of State for? So take a moment and tell people what you just won Best of State for. I won for um, Best Short Stories. So I had two novellas that um, were submitted this last year. One was um, in the collection called The Ends of Devonshire. And then I believe the other one that was eligible was called, um, oh, let's see, I'm forgetting it's, it was A Note of Change was the collection. Anyways, I had two different novellas in these romance collections and won my ninth medal. So I now have five for short stories and four for novels. So uh, I just want to reiterate the best short stories in all of Utah hosted here in the cultural hall, literally the best of state. And you can't make that up. It comes with a full award that looks sort of like an Emmy. Where do you keep your awards? Uh, They have the medals that go around your neck, a gold medal, and I actually have them framed. And so I've got eight of them that um, are on on a bookshelf and I need to hang them on the wall somehow and, Find room for a ninth. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Tough problem, right? Yeah. You know, I think in honor of uh, Brother Kyle, if you ever don't get first place, I don't know if they give you uh, a medal for second place at best of state, but if they do give you a runner-up or honorable mention or second place in honor of Brother Kyle, you toss that medal straight in the garbage. You know it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not like Brother Kyle that way. I kind of like awards. You know, I have my one Whitney Award. By golly, it's going to be up there. And people don't know what a Whitney Award is. Let them know what that is. Oh, yeah. Um, Whitney Awards are named after Apostle Orson F. Whitney um, from the 1800s. He gave a talk about how LDS literature will someday reach the heights of the heavens and we'll have Milton's and Shakespeare's of our own. And so it's a whole awards program for um, novels written by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So all these different categories, there's historical and romance and mystery and you know, science fiction and fantasy is Brandon Sanderson is one more time than you can shake a stick at. So he actually um, recused himself for four or five years. He, oh, cool. he just win. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I, listen, I, I win all the time. Let me let, let me let someone else win. Someone else, uh, please win. So yeah, I have friends that have you know, won multiple times and I'm like, I've won once. And I'm yeah. going to be happy. Be great to win again some year, but I also haven't had an eligible novel in a while. So. Well, congratulations all the same. If people wanted to pick up any of your books, where would they find them? Amazon's the easiest place. I used to say Desert Book and Seagull, but um, most of those books are out of print or harder to find. You can get e-copies at like, you know, the Desert Bookshelf, that kind of thing. But um, Amazon is where you can find everything else. So, you know, my historical winter war, World War II one, and you can find my fantasy and a bunch of other stuff. Awesome. So, yeah. I also actually have some other book news that I thought I could share today, but... Alas, the wheels have not quite turned oh, to that point. No. So in seriously, I've been like the last, it's been two or three weeks. And I was like, can I announce this yet? And it was like, no, not, not yet. Sorry. In the but future. we've inked it. Anyway, so I, in I the have future. more we'll get you. You'll be able to, to come on in and tell everyone about it. Uh, is there anything else that's new? I'm not sure if people notice this, but uh, we deserve a shout out to Mr. Mayor. Uh, who got a microphone for Annette Luthi line to be able to use. So we're still working on some things as far as headphones and all that, but you should notice that she sounds substantially better than the last time she was here in the news, and, and we'll continue to get it uh, that much better dialed in. So thank you to Mr. Mayor for what he does for the Cultural Hall. Anything else new? 
And the one that, and this is my husband's home office that I'm stealing for the day. So it's not a fake background, it's just a pretty office. Um, anything else is particularly new, not a ton. Um, my daughter's now on officially out of the MTC and in Florida. Um, things we've learned about Florida is that everyone there has a crazy story. So like the whole Florida man thing is real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and she's been, they've been told do never go near any body of water, no matter how small and shallow it looks. Cause there's probably a gator in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and since she's a ginger, it's like, you bring your sunscreen, sweetie. And she's like, Oh, I've only been burned a few times, including on my first day. I'm like, sweetheart. <laughs> Come on. Did we not talk yeah. about this? Like we've been like doing not- this your whole life, and you got called to the sunshine state. You've yeah. got to wear your sunscreen. Now, is so she in an area that right. just got uh, a temple or has a temple? Or Yes, yeah, she, she actually, Orlando already has a temple, and they were able to go with her district just last week. So that's that's kind of, actually, I have to look it up, though. I wasn't sure. But uh, one interesting thing, though, that's new, is that she's our third missionary. Um so there's some because you talked with I think it was with Andrew last time he was on about some of the changes that have happened um, in missions and missionary work in the last bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just changes since my last one came home and the one before that. Um, it used to be that you couldn't have like um, earbuds or that kind of thing. You had to be able to have speakers so you're all hearing everything all the time. Oh, interesting. Um, and now for calls home, you can have earbuds and AirPods or whatever. So she left off hers home. And then requested that we mail them to her. So for calls home, she can wear her Air, her AirPods. Her mission companion has hers. So their phone calls can be private and they're not, which is completely blew my mind. Like that was not allowed at all. Um, and she can call home even more often. My husband had his birthday last week. She got to call home for that, not on P-Day. Hmm. So yeah, yeah it's, it's kind yeah, of like. You're sure not that she's not just making up her own rules, right? You check <laughs> these out. Because we have plenty of these missionaries. Of you know, I. The irony is one of her older siblings that could see doing that, but she is like such a good, I mean, she wouldn't like, she, you know, she would be line. sneaky about it or something yeah. other than like, I oh, no, this is, I mean, she's su- such a good kid, but yeah, I, I get the impression that they're, they're working on making missions feel less like this huge sacrifice. Like I lose my child for a year and a half or two years and it's completely cut off. And it, that was really traumatic with my son for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that changed with calling home every week when my other daughter was on her mission. Um, and I keep thinking, you know, how many people, how many missionaries could have stayed out if mm. they had hmm. depression or anxiety and they could have called home? Yeah. So, I mean, all of these changes, I think, are just so, so great. And even the home MTC that they did because of the pandemic, it sounds like they'll be continuing it because it's such a great transition it's like a step away, you know, you're, you're in home, but you're a missionary. And then you have to know your district really well. And then when you get dropped off, you aren't just going off into a black hole. You have people, you know, friends that you get to look forward to. And your family's kind of been part of this process a little bit. So it was, I'm a fan of the home MTC and how the rules are changing up. It's been really, really cool. If I may speak to the other side of it, I love that I didn't have to talk to my family for two years, except for on Mother's Day and Christmas. <laughs> And like I was able to, for me personally, and I can't speak to anyone else's experience, but to be able to completely just be away from all of it was the way that I was able to grow in the way that I needed to. So I can, I can totally see that. And I, I think it really does depend on the kid. In fact, with my daughter, my older daughter who went, um, for her, it was a bit of a distraction if we interacted with her Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. She kind of was like, yeah, let's not do that. And then, but this daughter, 
I saw people interacting and I was like, oh gosh, what, you know, I had to ask, ask her, what do you want? Would, would this be helpful for you? Or would this be a distraction? Cause I know it varies with both of your siblings. So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I can remember at one time on my mission, my dad was coming to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, which was just the next state over. Cause I served in Cleveland and, uh, he, there was some thought that he might be able to come through town because I was in the eastern part of the mission and relatively close. And I remember that I got permission to be able to call him and try and see if it was going to coordinate and, and work out or whatever. And in my sweet, young ridiculousness of the kind of missionary and the timeout that I was at that time, I I called my dad and I said, Brother Stedman, Elder Stedman here. I uh, hear you're going to be coming to town. And he tried to get me to call him, you know, dad or call him by his first name. And for whatever reason, I I, I refused. I refused to do it. I called him Brother Stedman. And it didn't end up that I was able to see him. But well, kind of a funny thing that I look I, back I on. I recall correctly, you were such a stickler for the rules that if you left your apartment for the day and you forgot something inside oh we got to go back grab it here we have to pray again because you pray before you leave don't give me a I rule told that story to my kids and they just think it's the most hilarious thing so yeah my daughter megan turns to her little sister who's now serving going okay the rules exist for a reason but do what jesus would do yeah and <laughs> don't okay. be like richie a lesson learned the church over uh i want to share a couple emails uh contact at the culturalhall.com is where we get these uh i have made a recommitment and I hope everyone will hear this for what it is, uh, a recommitment to not only reading your emails, just in general. There was a kind of a, a friction point of me being able to read them, but uh, I'm also going to try and share all of them here in the Culture Hall as appropriate. You can always email us, contact at the, at the culturalhall.com, and if you put, do not share this on the show, I won't share it. Um, but know that you can now reach out. Uh, this is from Carrie Farns, who is a, uh, a Patreon saint of the cultural hall says, Hey Richie, I like the interview with Taylor Ricks. If you haven't uh, had a chance to listen to that, that's fairly recently. Uh, I heard her on another podcast, but couldn't tell you which one, uh, said I'd screenshotted the title of her book to remind me to buy it. And when I heard her today, I thought to myself, well, Clearly, this is the time to buy it. Within the episode, you said uh, that you could use the um, promo code Richie to be able to save 15% on the book. So I tried to use it and wasn't able to get that code to work. So I called Desiree Book directly to place my order and gave them the promo code Richie. She said it's not valid. Uh, she came back on the phone. She gave me the 15% discount. And, uh, well, she was able to get that. So why do I bring this up? Uh, I'm working on it. Having a conversation right now with the folks at Deseret Book to see if they're going to revalidate that code so that people can do it. Uh, but a shout out to whomever handled Carrie over at Deseret Book. They were very gracious to extend the discount anyway. She says, thanks for an excellent show in podcast form. I always looked forward, look forward to hearing from you, Carrie. And then I'll share, uh, let's share one more. This is from Amy. Amy says, thank you so much for your podcast. It's a show, Amy. It's a show. You've got me to get some belly laughs. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's a show in podcast form. People will get it. And then there are other people that are like, I don't know why you keep trying to beat that drum. People aren't going to say it. Anyway, uh, you've gotten some belly laughs out of me, says Amy. I'm particularly grateful for your interview with Portia Louder. 
I was so moved. This is the woman, this is uh, probably 20 or so episodes ago, uh, where she went to prison for a couple of years and, uh, and ha- is now sharing her experience um, with any and everyone. And it's a, an amazing, not only trial, but a, be able to be redeemed, a repetitive story, as it were. She said her relationship, uh, his relationship, let me try this again. Uh, I was so moved and inspired by her story. I have a brother in prison. His relationship with God is up and down. I asked him if he would be interested in reading Porsche's book with me, and he said yes, but the book wasn't available through any of the prison-approved vendors. I reached out to Portia on Facebook, and she responded right back and very warmly. She not only sent my brother Eric a copy of her book directly from the publisher, but also has been writing him. I'm about two-thirds of the way through her book. Her story is painful but beautiful and truly a gift. It's so important for people to hear. Thank you for helping get her story out there. I wouldn't have known about her, and she wouldn't have touched my brother's heart and life if it wasn't for you. Thank you, Amy. So huge shout-out to Amy and and for sending that. And Portia has a huge announcement. Uh, her book is now available to 500,000 people who are incarcerated a- across the country uh, because of Travis Ritchie, another previous guest of the Cultural Hall, who they sort of teamed up together and were able to make that approved and available for those who are incarcerated to read it. So a lot of and just amazing... To toot your horn, you helped her with the audiobook. So Oh, well, thank you. Yes, we did edit her audiobook. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool as we come near, uh, 600 episodes of the cultural hall. It's crazy for me to think, first of all, that we're near that number, even though exceeded that number, that's a story for a different time. Um, but that we're still doing it and that it matters to people. And so to everyone whom it matters, I say, thank you. So let's take a break real quick. We come back. We're going to do uh, actual articles of news. And I should say, in the third block of this news episode, uh, we are going to do a new feature here in the Cultural Hall. It's called The Temple Report. Until we come up with a better name, it's going to be called The Temple Report. Yeah, it's, it needs to be an alliteration because it's a church thing. We'll come up with something. Uh, but that will be the third block where we talk about the 17 temples that were announced at General Conference and some interesting facts about those with our friend Corey Ward. That's the third block. We're coming back with news in the second block. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative Creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of Articles of News, we do actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. Before I go any further, I want to say we're starting to do news every three episodes, and it seems like we then have a lot of news. But when we do news every other episode, it seems like we don't have enough news for an episode. I'd love it if people wanted to weigh in. Should we do it every other and just have it be a shorter episode? Or do you like a big heaping pile of news every third episode? Contact at theculturalhall.com or you can reach out to us. not sound good as a heaping pile? You don't like a heaping pile? A steamy, heapy pile of news? I don't know. That's My brain went somewhere. But I was 
wait, grand wait. puppy sitting this weekend, so my Aww. brain went to a different. So it's the cutest puppy pile of news. <laughs> <laughs> You can find us uh, at the Cultural Hall on any of the social medias. Okay, I'll start here. It's Easter on Sunday, uh, and if uh, you're looking for a way to celebrate, a couple ways that you can sort of gear up for it. Uh, you have to do a little back reading, but the folks over at Bicom and Consent have been writing an article each day in sort of a, a, a thought and preparation for uh, Easter Sunday, different parts of you know, the kind of Holy Week, as it were. You can find out uh, that at By Common Consent. I think it's bycommonconsent.org. You can check that out. Or uh, watch the BYU TV on Sunday. Uh, that is Easter Sunday, uh, 12 p.m. Or you can, I'm sure, find this on the BYU TV mobile app. Uh, it is the He is Reason, Risen, rather, a special Easter celebration with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And by that, I mean the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. So uh, check that out. Should be pretty great. Um, it already has been recorded, and there's plenty of ways for you to be able to watch it. But if you haven't, a great way to get into the Easter spirit of things. What do you got? So this is a little somewhat more of a serious note, but a happy thing on the one hand, I guess. So there was a prosecutor here in Utah. I swear this is relevant for member churchy stuff, but he passed away. His name was Bob Stott. Um, and... He's remembered for all these great things, being a legendary nursery leader and working on some of the legal aspects of the Joseph Smith Project and, and all kinds of stuff like that. But in his legal career, um, he was a prosecutor from, for some of the biggest um, cases that involved, um, you know, members of the church behaving badly. Mm -hmm. um, so he was involved with Ted Bundy. This is before oh, he was convicted of any murders, but of um, kidnapping and assault here in Utah. Um, Mark Hoffman, who's the big forgery guy, um, Ronnie Lee Gardner, um, he was actually the most recent one, I believe. He had, had kind of a long rap sheet, um, but then he ended up getting the, the death penalty after he complained about back issues, ended up getting an MRI, and he was unshackled at that point, and then he managed to escape, or tried to escape and actually killed a police officer. A um, couple of other serial killers. Anyway, so all of these amazing, huge cases, this, um, Bob Stott was the prosecutor on them. And people are just remembering him that he was, despite working with some of these most really horrific people, um, he had a very good heart and was devoted to goodness and what's right. And people are remembering this great man for the things that he did. So hmm. he passed I away at, at age 77. Uh, sounds like natural causes. So, yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. I didn't see that story. Uh, it, it sort of triggers for me uh, letting people know that you can um, follow the cultural hall as Under the Banner of Heaven comes out on FX. We're going to have a, a kind of a, a sneaky peek at, at some of the um, episodes. And so I'll be able to share my review of that. It may be a special episode as I talk about the first couple episodes. I'm going to be able to see them um, before everyone else gets to see them. So uh, make sure that you... I about that, actually, because you... Krakauer, he's, he's a great writer, but he did not portray uh, um, the church even remotely accurately in his books. So I'm a little nervous. Yeah. The Murder and... of the Mormons was really well done. That was good, but I'm scared about this one. Yeah, I, I think that it's a, uh, I think that that a lot of people within the church feel that way. And and this sort of reflects something that I noticed from a um, a post that I put on the Facebook page for the Cultural Hall today. So if something really um, incites you, take a minute. 
<laughs> and I know that that's just a simple thing, but like this TV show may come out and it's someone who is interpreting the Lafferty brothers, which I'm not going to go into the detail of all that, but they, you know, gruesomely killed uh, a mother and a daughter. And, and you can read about that. That's a real case. Uh, and then, um, you know, Krakauer kind of writes around that and around religious uh, fundamentalism, right? So you can really react to it and, you know, incite a bunch of people and be like, oh, this is terrible and all those things. Or you can just take a second and then decide to react. And I guarantee you, if you take the second and then react, your reaction will be different if you just go, I'm so mad and get, you know, frustrated, furious. And that, and, and, and the thing is, because there's those people that feel like they have to defend the church. The church doesn't need defense, right? Mm -hmm. The church doesn't need offense and the church doesn't need defense. You can choose to insert yourself into some sort of contention around it. You can certainly say, I choose not to believe the way that you are telling me that I believe or should believe or whatever the things are. But, but, you know, until the church says, take to the streets, take to the internets and defend us. I just, I, maybe someone can prove me otherwise, but I think you just need to go, oh, okay, this is a show that's not for me that I don't agree with. Okay. I choose to not support it by not watching it, by not telling other people about it, by not whatever that consumption that would show, you know, approval for it would be. I just would not do that thing. And that would be it. That would be the end of it. Instead of taking to the internet and saying, oh my gosh, this is horrible and terrible. And I don't know. Maybe I'll think it's terrible, terrible and horrible. I haven't seen it. Read the book. Have you read the book, Annette? You know, I have not. And yeah. I, I've been debating whether I want to watch it. Like, I felt like with Murder Among the Mormons, I wanted to to see it just so, like, cultural literacy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad I did. And it was also well done. So yeah. um, I'll probably watch it just to make sure. And so, I'm, you know, I want to be educated know what's going on. Um, Andrew Garfield, of course, is a great actor. So mm -hmm. I'm sure he'll do great with whatever material he's given. Um, I just, I, I just, I personally cringe a little bit with things that portray us um, very incorrectly. Sure. But I don't get angry and all riled up. It's almost like I'm a huge fan of. This is kind of a. This will sound very different, but I think the principle applies. Um, I'm a very big fan of the Gilmore Girls TV show. Uh -huh. I discovered it after, not until it got onto Netflix. Um, but um, there are a couple of episodes where there are references to members of the church and there's one character who supposedly converts and then leaves um, really small character and it's basically throwaway jokes mm -hmm. um, but they're all so inaccurate and it's just frustrating because it's like those the the jokes not only are they frustrating because you can't make fun of other religions so why can you why can we be the butt of jokes and why is that okay sure. but sure. they're also inaccurate you know yeah. uh, just really dumb things like um, at one point, Lorelai is saying, like, oh, their her parents, when she was a teenager, they were trying to get her to, you know, not sleep around or whatever. So it's like, oh, she, they brought in a priest, a rabbi, and a Mormon missionary. And I was like, plural. There had to have been two. Like, <laughs> is it that hard to get that right? Like, come on. Right. You know, I mean, just little dumb things like that where I'm like, just do your homework. Just uh, yeah, basically do ask someone who's part of it. Yep, seems you know, lazy. So I kind of just, just try to get it right, even if I don't agree with what you're portraying, what you're telling. Just try to get the facts straight. Yeah, I have hope for this uh, under the banner of heaven, at least to be uh, pretty historically correct. A uh, friend of the uh, cultural hall, Lindsay Hanson Park, 
who was a previous episode, uh, she has been helping. She's been consulting or somehow involved to be like, hey, let's just make sure we get this right. So I, I, I trust her to, you know, represent pretty fairly uh, how things either occur or occurred uh, within uh, the church. So that should be pretty fascinating. That comes out, I think, on the 28th of April. So be sure that you subscribe to the Cultural Hall so you don't miss it if that ends up being uh, an episode that publishes at a different time or uh, shorter or different, out of schedule, whatever the thing may be. Uh, the Easter pageant, uh, I noticed when we posted this online, a lot of people are like, I thought pageants went away, and the Easter pageant at the Mesa Temple is not one of those temple, uh, one of those pageants that went away. It will continue. It similarly casts a cast that uh, performs multiple nights, opportunities for connection uh, for all those people. I want to say that it's like, you know, it's eight nights of uh, performing, I want to say, and several weeks of rehearsal. So an opportunity for people to get together and, and make connections. Uh, but the Mesa Easter pageant, not one of the pageants that's going away. And you can't talk about a pageant without talking about Donny Osmond. This was just a quick story, and there's a picture that got shared around the internet of Donny Osmond, the Sunday school lesson about Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. So he brought with him the costume from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, and, uh, and you know, let the kids see the costume and talked about, you know, every part of that story as he taught the lesson. The big miss is, and I don't know that he did this, I don't know that he didn't do it, but if he doesn't sing Close Every Door at the end of that lesson, and then someone else has to say the prayer and end it, then he it was a huge fail for that Sunday school class. It's a loss. It's a fun thing. Um, I was in that show back in the day. With Donny Osmond? No, no. It was, a, it was a local, it was a youth production. So at 17, I was the oldest person in, well. in the cast. Whoa. Um, but the funny thing is, it it was done, I want to say 91, maybe, uh-huh. um, where it had just been released so that people, people could do it broadly. I had never even heard of it. So we did it. And then the next like four years, there were like 10 productions everywhere. I mean, there were, I, mean, I wanted to go, we were first. Like, yeah. at least in yeah, the <laughs> Who did you play? Um, well, there's not a lot of roles for girls, as you know. Um, sure, narrators of, typically are women. The what? The narrators are typically women. They actually, and here's the interesting thing. We had two amazing narrators who are both so incredibly talented that they've had two. We had two narrators mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, but I, I was, they had 12 um, girls and we were all, you know, dancers. So we were part of the slave people. We were, you know, and we were, we were on stage almost all the time, but. The wives you know, of no the name. brothers. Yeah. yeah well, good. Exactly. It's yeah, because it's you did such an amazing job that people wanted to follow in your footsteps. That's all oh, that is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and the guy who played uh, played Pharaoh, he is now actually a professional opera singer here in Utah. Christopher Holmes, if you ever want to come up. So. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. What no, what news do you have? So I was trying to actually find that to see if there was an update, and I'm not finding it offhand. But um, Brandon Campbell of the Neon Trees, mm-hmm. former guest of the hall, he's the bassist. Um, he's ha- had some health issues lately. So his wife was posting on Instagram about it. Um, so apparently he has a mechanical valve in his heart and that means he's been on blood thinners. That's just part of the protocol. And then he got ulcers and he's been bleeding from those. And Ooh. when you're on blood thinners, then you don't clot, so then you bleed more anyway. So he's been in and out of the hospital. Um, but apparently he actually, he collapsed and his wife had to do CPR, oh broke at least one of his ribs, <laughs> keeping him alive. 
Um, so there's, I mean, it's a long story, but it was very inspirational and that, you know, just thank you everybody for your prayers. And now, now he's back in the hospital again, but now he's okay now. And now I have to figure out the last I saw, they were doing one of those IG camera pills that you swallow. And then it takes pictures that goes through you. Oh, wow. So That's cool. Where the bleed's coming from. Cause they thought they caught everything and now he's losing blood again and all that. But, um, mm. as far as I know, he's still with us, but it's been quite a month for oh the, the Campbell family. Yeah. That. Prayers so, for the Campbell uh, family. For him. Yeah. I wonder how we can get one of those pills. I know that that hopefully doesn't seem insensitive on the heels of that, but I would love to see a picture of my insides to see if they're just as terrible as I think they are. Right. (laughs) What was that? I don't remember eating that. What is, uh, anyway, uh, a couple, uh, just quick, funny, uh, kind of things. Um, one, there is an article and I, (laughs) It, it's uh, written by Myra Fox or Mira Fox and Nikki Casey. And apparently at BYU, they did Fiddler on the Roof, the play, Another show the I musical. Was in, she was. You what's that? <laughs> I was also a Fiddler on the Roof. Anyway. Uh, the, the headline of this story is, and you'll have to find it in the show notes, it's, Can an all-Mormon cast pull off Fiddler on the Roof? We traveled to Utah to find out. So the idea is... At BYU, a very Christian university that doesn't have a tremendous amount of familiarity with, uh, you know, Jewish culture, etc., can they do it and do it accurately? And it's a really deep dive into did the people understand the rituals and the terminology and all that. So they interview several of the cast members. They talk about what it was like when they witnessed the play being produced and whether or not they felt like they could believe the characters. It's probably printed pages, seven or eight printed pages of a story about can and all an all Mormon cast. And the best part is they were able to find that one person that was part of the show that was not a member of the church and be able to find out their experience as well. And it's, I, I, if I didn't think that they were doing it serious, I almost thought it was sort of a parody article. So you can check that out. That's a funny thing is I would say among Christians, I think because we really, we believe, you know, there's so much about Jewish everything. Jesus was a Jew and then the, everything old, we're very old Testament. And I don't know, it seems like of all Christian denominations, and maybe this is naive of me, but I think we tend to have a, we like to study Jewish stuff and how like, you know, go to seminary and what was the feast of the tabernacles and mm-hmm. what is the Passover cedar like? People actually will do cedars at BYU. But, you know, I have a feeling we might actually know more than like say your average Methodist or something. I don't, I mean, obviously I can't know for sure, but that seems funny that they would think that we know less. Yeah. It, I, it's, you can find out everything about it, a deep dive into that. Awesome. Um, over at BYU, a couple of the college students just won college Emmy awards, which I insist that we call them Kemis from now on. If they're college Emmys, we should call them Kemis. Um, they did a very, uh, what powerful, uh, uh, commercial for Ford as part of one of the awards that they won. And then Stowaway is another uh, film that won an award as well as Life's Journey. That's the the Ford piece that they did. Pretty cool stuff coming out of BYU. Um, the most winningest college at the Kemis, as we will heretofore call them. Um, also at BYU, uh, they have a uh, a podcast worth checking out if this is a thing that is of interest to you. It's called The Queer Athlete. It's hosted by Emma Gee, or G. I think it's Emma Gee. 
um, herself LGBTQ and a former BYU track and field team member. We uh, highlighted her a couple years ago in articles of news story around her. Um, but but she contends that on every sport uh, sporting team at BYU, there is at least one person who identifies as either LGBTQIA+ and takes the opportunity to interview said athletes as part of the queer athlete. So you can find that wherever you're finding this episode of the cultural hall. What else do you have? Um, I wanted to, so did your general conference wrap up way awesome. I'm so glad you got, thank you. you. Did. That was way cool. Yeah. Worth um, going back and listening to uh, Al Caraway, uh, Mally Bonner and Rachel Hunt Steenbleck, as we kind of just talked about, mainly we talked about mother in heaven and um, the temples. But certainly talked about, you know, how we are able to have difficult conversations or be able to be more understanding of, of one another. Um, I, I thought another part of the conversation that I particularly enjoyed was, um, you know, the understanding, you know, how each one of them approaches social media differently because mm. of who their audience is and, you know, what their intent is. And this, it was a very cool discussion, but... Anyway, one thing that didn't get touched on was this shift to the whole change in the Relief Society and primary general presidencies, because that was kind of big, because typically you don't get both reorganized in the same general conference. One year ago, we got a new primary presidency, and mm -hmm. now suddenly both are getting redone. So um, the reason for that, we learned, is that um, this would be the summer that the Relief Society presidency gets re released and replaced and the new president is the former primary president. So yeah. we move the primary president over to Relief Society and then we have to reorganize both. Um, so now the new primary president is the former first counselor. And then we have, and then we also have one of the other counselors is still there and then they brought in another sister. But the cool thing here that I found was awesome was just learning who they were, um, some of their background. Um, so we actually have a, an Asian American sister, Kim, um, Kristen M. Yee, who worked at Disney Interactive Studios for 13 years and now she's part of the church's animation team. I didn't know we had an animation team. How cool is that? Um, she also has, um, she has a bachelor's and a master's degree. She's from originally from California. Um, our current new primary president, former former first counselor. Um, she has a bachelor's degree in chemistry, used to be a lab assistant and a math teacher. Um, and then now we have, Let's see, Sister Wright was the second counselor. Now she's the first counselor in primary. She has a bachelor's in human development and family studies. Sister Tracy Browning, and this is the cool thing. She is our first African-American um, member of the primary presidency, which I think is super cool. Um, so she, her parents are both from Jamaica um, and she grew up a good portion of her childhood, it says, was in Jamaica. Um, and she worked in financial services Morgan Stanley um, for many years. Anyway, but, and she now works as the client service director in the church's publishing services department, kind of a mouthful there. Um, but very cool, amazing woman. Um, I will be sad when the last presidency gets, you know, the heads out the door. Mm -hmm. We have them until August. Um, but, you know, Sister Eubank is the mom, and so is Sister Bartha and Sister President Bingham. I mean, we've had, that's been an amazing presidency. Well, so, this new one may be yeah. amazing. Be patient. Oh, well, well, yes. Hang absolutely. tight. They may be amazing. They're called sure. God yeah, they and will. they'll do great. But yeah, it is definitely one. If there if there was a presidency that was 
really well known and really universally respected within the church. I think that has been this presidency. So I'm excited to see what, what the Lord has in store as far as that goes. Okay. So some other random stories. Are you ready for this? Uh, There are six times that martial law has been declared in the United States and two of them are around uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One time came in 1843 when Mormon founder Joseph Smith was accused of abusing his authority as the mayor of Nauvoo after he beat the rap for allegedly trying to murder a governor of Missouri. Smith ordered the city to destroy a local paper that was critical of his office, so the citizens raised an army to capture him. Smith declared martial law and called out his own militia. And then uh, the second time, by 1857, the Mormons had resettled in Utah where some of their beliefs... Uh, were against U.S. federal law in response. I love the way that this article writes it. Worst president ever, James Buchanan, (laughs) no editorializing here, sent a large part of the U.S. Army to enforce federal law after decades of persecution. The Mormons flipped out, declared martial law, and raised an army of their own. So six times in United States history, and we're two of them. Way to go, us. Uh, And then... Let's see, there was one other one. Oh, this one right here. Uh, speaking kind of in that vein of everything, um, we sing about war while we're praying for peace. This obviously is we've been talking a lot about Ukraine um, and and the conflict that's going there. Some would say a genocide most recently. Um, that there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eleven songs that have some sort of uh, reference to war within our hymnal. Those, of course, being Battle Hymn of the Republic, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, or O Lord of Hosts, We Are Marching on to Glory, Onward Christian Soldiers, Up, Awake, Ye Defenders of Zion, We Are All Enlisted, Behold a Royal Army, Like 10,000 Legions Marching, Hope of Israel, Zion's Army, and the Star-Spangled Banner. I think someone just pointing out, you know, maybe we give those hymns, if you can forgive the massive music pun here in a second, if we can give those hymns a rest, a rest for yeah. a hot minute. Uh, <laughs> you going with that? I don't know that I could have pulled out all 11. So I thought that was interesting. What else do you have? Uh, well, speaking of the war, um, the Uchtdorf, Elder and Sister Uchtdorf, um, got to go to Poland and speak to some Polish members as well as Ukrainian refugees who are in Poland, who are members of the church. Um, a special sacrament meeting, um, and they're pointing out here in this article that, you know, President Ugdorf himself is a two-time refugee um, because of World War II, so kind of a big deal there. Um, so some of the members said, you know, today I felt like God opened his windows to bless us, the Ukrainian people. We were in church, and we didn't feel sad. Yeah. Um, but so kind of cool thing, you know, just like how do we feel this, what God's love in such a horrible time, and, you know, basically it's, you know, so I don't think I've shared this before, but so when I was a teenager, I had a Sunday school teacher who was a nurse. And anytime we would give the, oh, go to church, read your scriptures, say your prayers to, to a question, she'd, say, she'd go, guys, don't give me nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Because that was like <laughs> the three things that in nursing school, like if you didn't know the real answer, just throw those in. Chances are something You're would right, be right. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to it, sometimes those are the, you know, go to church, read your scriptures, say your prayers. But sometimes those are the right answers. So. That's what kind of basically what he said. Um, and then Sister Uchtdorf added, but they, they also did a fire for the youth that night. And she said, we are the children of God because we do whatever we can do and we give our all. Oh. Um, anyway, so then they also pointed out that the, the chapel all of this took place in was the same chapel that um, Uchtdorf 
dedicated in 1991. Oh, wow. So kind of cool. Some cool things going on there. They haven't been forgotten. Well, and that's probably the biggest time. thing that a lot of them will take away from that is that, you know, here an apostle of the Lord came to talk to him, right? Like maybe they, maybe they felt the spirit and I hope they did. And they probably did, right? I'm not downplaying that. But the, the fact that, you know, they very um, visibly can say, hey, you know what? This is whom we consider to be a mouthpiece for the Lord coming to our country to be with us, you know, mourning and with those. Not just an apostle is one thing, but also an apostle who gets it. Like yeah. He has literally been a refugee. He knows for 10. So, yeah. You ready for a real terrible story? Uh-oh. Don't worry. I, I, I've got a terrible story and then a great story right after it. A Springville man and LDS church youth leader was arrested after images of child pornography were discovered on his cell phone. Uh, victims, uh, let's see, the Utah County Sheriff's Office Special Victims Unit say that Kevin G. Sykes, age 54, had child pornography depicting boys ages 8 to 16 on his cell phone. Uh, he served as a religious advisor for boys ages 11 to 14. Um, he had, This is the uh, Utah County Sheriff's Office. It says he has a position in a church where he works with young men and boys in the same age range as those depicted in the pictures that were found on his phone. Detectives began investigating Sykes after receiving a, a report from an operations manager at his place of employment that child pornography showed up in his browser history. So uh, he was booked into the county jail and awaits trial for having pornography on his phone. All right, terrible story. Glad they caught him, though. How about a great story? Like Dwayne The Rock Johnson going to the Polynesian Cultural Center. Did you see this? No. Yeah. Uh, pretty awesome. Uh, for people who don't know, the Polynesian Cultural Center on the island of Oahu, there on the North Shore, uh, right by BYU-Hawaii. In fact, many of the students of BYU-Hawaii work to be able to pay for their school at the Polynesian Cultural Center. He's one of the world's highest grow grossing and highest paid actors. Uh, he visited the church-owned Polynesian Cultural Center uh, and um, just wanted to find out more about uh, the people. Um, he that is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, shared photos and videos of the trip on his Instagram account, along with the messages of gratitude for this experience, for his heritage, and for the staff of the PCC. May I read a little bit of his caption? Said, quote, It was such an honor and privilege for my family and I to bring our entire team to experience our proud Polynesian culture. I had goosebumps covering my body all day as every Polynesian performer bared their soul with pride and manna and many tears to illuminate our culture. And in a proud dad moment, the best part of the visit was seeing my two little girls stand tall and proud all day, even though sometimes the energy of our Polynesian culture can be our, our Polynesian culture can be very scary to little kids. My little ones just knew in their hearts that this is who they are, who they were born to be, and these are our people. Uh, thank you to the entire Polynesian Cultural Center, IA, uh, I'm sorry, AIGA, I'm not sure what that means making our visit truly unforgettable. So, cool pictures of seeing Dwayne The Rock Johnson there at the Polynesian Cultural Center. That's cool. All right, what, are the, what else do you got? The rest of mine are all statistics-based. Okay, so I have two happy feelings. Um, well, one more than the other. But anyway, so so Dawn Dimmick, I saw this article here it was in, in the Desert News. Um, she is the first woman to um, be accepted into and graduate from, the, from BYU's chaplain program. Hmm. 
for the military. It used to be that only um, ordained priesthood holders, so men, um, could be um, in, in that program. But they changed the enrollment policy, which makes sense because chaplains in the military do not have to be male. Um, and then so she went through it. And she, the interesting thing is that she, uh, she says that when she, she served a mission in Russia, which of course is timely right now, um, and three times on her mission, she distinctly had the word chaplain come to her mind. And she's like, I'm not even sure what a chaplain is. <laughs> Why is this word coming to me? Um, so she really feels like this is something that she was supposed to do. Um, and now I'm wondering if, you know, she's going to be helping maybe some troops somewhere, or maybe she'll be able to help someone who's connected to the Ukrainian and Russian crisis. And, and well, certainly with being able um, to speak Russian for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and she talks about the, the, the job of a good chaplain was just, I, I loved how she described it because it kind of sounds like what being a good Christian should be. She says mm -hmm. a good chaplain is just walking in wounds with people. You get to be in the joys of people and also life's most intimate, more difficult moments. And the whole point is to provide spiritual care in a way that nourishes the framework of the person that you're minister ministering to or that you're walking with. So that's, I mean, we're all, we're all ministers, right? In the church, and we have assignments and mourn with those the morning and comfort those who's going to need the comfort. So good on her. Sister, De uh, what was it? Dimmick. Don Dimmick. And I'll have to try and see if I can track her down for a future episode of the cultural hall. That sounds pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, these are statistic-based. Uh, with General Conference, we get some statistics. Uh, there was a net increase of 141,737 church members uh, in the year 2020. Uh, other statistics include there are 31,315 congregations. That's up 189. 3,498 stakes in the church. That's up 35 from the previous year. 407 missions, up two from the previous year. And now that's 409 with the most recent added. Uh, 520 districts that are down. Uh, that's down 17 uh, because some of those districts were made into stakes. So that's a cool thing. 89,069 new children of record. Uh, that's up 23,629 from the previous year and 168,283 converts uh, that were baptized last year. That's up 42,000 from the year previous. 54,539 young full-time proselyting missionaries, up 2,700 from the year before. 36,000 church service missionaries, up 6,000 from the previous year. And 170 temples, an increase of only two from the previous year. So that's obviously because a lot of them... So I heard, we've been hearing rumors that the that overall number of missionaries is going down. And that's why we had so many general conference talks about it. What was the number on that again? 54,539. And in the height of when President Monson announced this, which it was somewhere near 80, 89,000. Mm -hmm. So they knew it wouldn't ever stay that high, but right. it's sort of gone down quite a bit. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you know what? The pandemic and some other things. So they think that oh, 2022 sure. will so, be. Um, I, when my dad was presiding over a mission, I think it was like 48,000 worldwide. That was yeah. you know, 40 years ago, but. When I served, I think it was 55,000, so yeah. right in there. Uh, is Mormonism still growing? This from the Religion News Service. I'll go through these quick, but you can find all the meaty, nerdy statistics uh, at theculturalhall.com. The church as a whole is still growing, but the growth rate is slowing down. For example, uh, the growth rate in 2011 was 2.19%, but the growth rate in 2021 was only 0.85%, so... Still growing, but the rate at which we're growing is uh, is lower. 
Uh, the main areas of growth are primarily in Africa. For example, the rate of growth in the United States in 2012 was 2.9%. Uh, in the United States, it was 0.3% in 2021. So still growing, but a lot of that happening not here in the United States. Um, the third thing is we haven't seen uh, yet seen children of record uh, baptisms rebound to expected levels. Um, no one was surprised that that happened in 2020, but it hasn't rebounded as they sort of thought that it would. Um, the fourth is that the missionary force has taken a hit. Uh, at one point in 2019, there was 67,000 uh, missionaries that were serving, and as we just mentioned, 54,000. Uh, and then also more members have access to temples than ever before. Um, we mentioned uh, coming up about how many there are and all the dead, the announcements from General Conference. We'll do that with uh, Corey in our temple report. Okay, what else do you have? Do you have any other stories? One more, yeah. So wait, wait, wait. I'll I, let you I'm... take. I'll take you. I'll let you take the last one. I got two other ones, and then okay. I'll let you take the very last story. So I shared this story on uh, Facebook, and people thought I was being critical. Let me explain myself. And if anyone would have asked me, hey, what do you mean by this? I would have said this exact thing. There was an article from uh, KCPW, which is um, uh, a news outlet in Park City, which is part of Summit County. It was talking about how in Summit County and in Wasatch County, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints owns 12,000 acres, which I contend is a lot of land. 12,000 acres is a lot of land. I'm not saying that it's too much. I'm not saying we shouldn't own land. I'm not saying it's not a great investment. I'm saying in the posts that I shared, that's a lot of land. And I also said, and only one temple. And the temple is not built. And so I was just pointing out what I felt like was like, man, that's a lot of land that we own, that there's only one temple. And you would have thought that I told everyone that you know, the church was a cult and that we all need to find somewhere else to, you know, or whatever. People lost their minds. And I just was stating what the headline says, which is it owns 12,000 acres in these two counties. So people, so many people were so very sensitive to it. And I just, you know, maybe my tone could have been better. Maybe I needed to read it with the tone that the internet might've read it. But I really was just saying, that's a lot of land and for only one temple. In, in the same way, like, we we are the uh, the largest landowner, we, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the largest landowner of Florida. Like, we own more land in Florida than any other entity, any other group, anything like that. And, and were we to not have any temples in Florida, I would say something like this. That's a lot of land that we own and don't have a temple there. Now, as it turns out, I think we have five announced and three functional temples in in Florida or two and maybe five in, in, in totality. But, but I would, you know, I would say, man, we're the largest landowner and that's five temples. I wasn't saying anything. Everyone needs to calm down. It's been a long time since people have come at me for a post and it was the most innocent of things. Everyone maybe just know that, Hey, I'm not an anti-person and that the church is a place that I love and I wasn't in it for a long time. And I came back because I chose to. So calm down, even though I'm not. And then finally, this last news story from me, this is super cool and worth going to the show notes to check out. Uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, our church, the one that you and I are both active members of and that we like, <laughs> I just want to reiterate that. Uh, they built a 39,000-square-foot, four-story meeting house 
at the base of a new commercial office tower that's called 95 State at City Creek. So this is in downtown Salt Lake. And the first four floors, think like the Manhattan Temple. Think like there's a place in Alexandra, uh, Virginia, that they have this as well. It is the first floor, four floors of this building. It's gorgeous. It's, it's unreal. It is like an urban. It's it's also sort of like the Chicago uh, area chapel that they have. Multi-levels, super cool, lots of uses, spared no expense. Uh, there are pictures of it. There's also, you know, they decided since so many people are going to be moving downtown, they can't do a typical church like they would do you know, on the corner in your in your neighborhoods, in your suburbia, like most of our churches are within the church. So they decided to put it inside an office building, and it's unreal. It's so gorgeous. Open plaza out on the thing. I'm telling you, like, you know how sometimes we're like, when people get married and you're like, oh, you're going to do it in the cultural hall? Like, that's a cultural hall and a patio that people are going to be like, can we get in on this? I'd like to have my wedding here. Whole view of the city. It's tremendous. You should check out the pictures. The show notes, theculturalhall.com. Love it. Okay. So my last one. Let's do it. So, okay. This is one where I kind of wanted to chime in with my own perspective because I think it's important. So um, there's a, a, a very popular Instagrammer um, and I wish her the absolute best. I just wanted to, to comment on something she mentioned. Um, it's the Mormon hippie. Okay. You can find her. She's delightful. Um, she, she's, she has stepped away from the church in the sense of the institution, but she still considers herself Mormon. She uses that term and she has nothing but love and all of that. And I wish her the absolute hundred percent best. Um, she was giving an explanation um, as to one of the, the things that put her on a path of stepping away from the institution. And she said it was that President Nelson said that the Book of Mormon is not historical fact. And then she said it's right there in the church newsroom. And then she left a link. So I was like, okay, I will read this. So knowing she has a very large following, I thought it was important to put it into context because that's not actually what he said. So this is from the church newsroom. What he actually said, this is part from a talk at the MTC. He goes into, you know, the Book of Mormon clarifies all of these different doctrines and it refutes all of these other doctrines and this and that and the other. So the part she's, she got stuck on it where is it where he said, there are some things the Book of Mormon is not. It is not a textbook of history, although some history is found within its pages. Um, and so maybe this is because I'm a writer and editor, but that really, and an English major nerdy person, but to say that the Book of Mormon is not a textbook of history is completely accurate. It's a historical document, not a textbook. You know, so we can't say like Patrick Henry's or you know, speeches or the Federalist Papers or the Constitution or textbooks, those are all documents. So um, he didn't say that the Book of Mormon is not historical, just for the record. That's not actually what he said. He said it's not a textbook. And textbooks are not documents. They analyze the past and they're written well after the past. So anyway, just want to throw that out there. Her name is Sasha. She's, she seriously looks like one of the sweetest people in the world. Wish her the absolute best. She looks happy and lovely. Um, I just felt like if other people might hear that and go, wait, he said what? Yeah, add a little context to it because that's actually not what he said. So I appreciate that, uh, and uh, you know, people can weigh in on that story, any story. Uh, contact at theculturehall.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, maybe be able to dive a little bit further into that or others of these stories. If you're like, hey, you guys talked about this and I need to know more, we can do that in a, a future episode. 
um, weigh in. Don't forget to contact at theculturalhall.com. If we should do uh, shorter news episodes more frequently or these longer ones uh, every three episodes like we're doing. Love that. Also, if you have anything that you'd like to share in, around, or about the 600th episode, feel free to send that as well. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Coming up in the third block, it's Corey Ward. And until we can find a better name, we're calling it The Temple Report. Annette Luthi-Lyon, thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me. com. Won't you please go? That is if you are in the market for a DJ. Now, I haven't done a new one of these ads for a little bit, and I have to tell you it's been pretty cool. I've been able to do some events for some lifers or converts here in the cultural hall. I uh, got to do a wedding back in, what was that, February now? Is that what? Man, this year is flying by. Anyway... If you'd like to uh, be able to party with me, that's some offer. You can go to bestdjinutah.com. We talk about how me being able to be at your event, playing music, coordinating things, keeping an eye on the clock, all this stuff might make your event go better. I do a lot of weddings, but I can also do birthday parties. We can just hang out and listen to music if you want as well. Uh, But you can't do any of it if you don't hop online and go to Best djinutah.com. There's a form there that lets me know a little bit more about your event. And then who knows, who knows, we could be partying together very soon. Go to bestdjinutah.com. Hey friends, Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. As you know, there's been a huge video card shortage for computers. We have tons of NVIDIA and AMD video cards right now available with complete systems. Check us out right now at PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, I'm excited to announce a new feature for the Cultural Hall. Uh, About once a month or so, or about every three news episodes, we're going to have a a temple update. We have 282 temples in some form or fashion within the church. I can't keep a track uh, of them, so I'm I'm doing what I'm what I've been told, which is delegating. I'm learning to give responsibility to other people, and so it is my great pleasure to uh, to welcome into the cultural hall, Corey Ward. Thank you for being here, Corey. Yeah, good to be here. Now you were here before when we talked about Moroni's on the temple. Yep, that was me. And uh, and so now I've said, you know what? Are you willing to come back once a month and give us the update on the temple? You, like a fool, said yes. And so here we are. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, like it. Uh, tons of stuff to talk about, especially with the recent general conference and the announcement of 17 temples. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that. But there was stuff even before that we probably need to get into. So take it away, my friend. Yep. So right before conference, it was announced that the Main Street Plaza area in Temple Square would be closing on April 11th, and that would, that will be until fall 2023. If you remember back in like the 90s, the church purchased that portion of Main Street right in front of um, the temple. And so a lot of people in the city were upset about that, but the church agreed to keep it open for access permanently. But for at least next year or two, it will be closed. They're going to waterproof the area underneath it. They're going to perhaps have a larger reflecting pool. Um, and then the landscape will just match the rest of Temple Square. So, oh, I mean, the big deal is, is if you're trying to get engaged, right, there's only like one <laughs> or two good spots to get the photo with the temple in the background. They make a bigger pond, more people can get engaged. That's right. I guess so. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's fall of 2023, obviously not a definitive date because of everything that's going on there. Just in general, uh, the Temple Square, do we have a, a season and a year as to when they're anticipating that being done? Um, the temple, they say 2025, so probably the puzzle will be finished first, and then they'll finish the temple. Okay. What else do um, we Other have? news, yeah. the rededication of the Tokyo Japan Temple was announced finally. It's been delayed after COVID. 
So that will be June 3rd to the 18th, and then it'll be rededicated on July 3rd. That will be President Iring. If you were fast enough on the church's website, you could see the interior photos, but they took them down. So normally they don't publish the photos until right when they start the open house. So you'll have to wait if you didn't see those then. Is there any reason why it's Elder Iring that's going to be doing the dedication? He has some connection to the area? I don't know. Elder Stevenson served his mission in Japan, so I don't know why he's not doing it. Hmm. Hmm. And then uh, you mentioned that it's sort of a delay of COVID. Is it similar to like the Washington, D.C. temple where they said, hey, it's ready, but we want people to be able to enjoy the blessings of seeing this before it's dedicated? That's right. It's been done for about a year and just been sitting there. So Okay. Okay. So uh, where else? What else do we need to talk about? Um, well, just at the time of this recording yesterday, April 7th, um, the, the Richie, you're going to be future mayor of this city. Oh, yeah, the temple. Taylorsville Temple, sure. They just got the top of the spire. So if normally if there was a Moroni on the temple, it would be a big news item. There'd be a lot of people going out to see it. But they topped off the spire yesterday, and now it's at its full height. And, and no Moroni, which again, if people are new to this conversation, because it feels like every time we talk about no Moronis on the temple, the idea is after temples were uh, announced after October 2018, there has been no temple that will have a Moroni placed upon it. That that fall 2018 is when President Nelson said, we're not Mormons, we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so, so far, it's held true. Any temple that was dedicated within that session is fair game to have a Moroni, but no temples post that general conference session have had either in, uh, you know, like the picture that comes out beforehand or in actuality, a Moroni on the top of the temple. Yeah, 2019 or later. So, so uh, what about some of these ones from General Conference? 17, for crying out loud. 17, and that brings President Nelson's total to 100 temples announced. So that's an average of two temples per month during his presidency. Wow. Pretty amazing. President Monson only announced 45 in his 10 years, and President Hinckley only 78 in his 13 years. So less than or his four years of President Nelson, we have 100. And, and I want to say that I saw a t- statistic that was like 35% of the temples in the church were our President Nelson temples, something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a total of 282 now, so that's about that, that percentage. Yeah, pretty crazy. Should we talk about those temples that were announced? Yeah, let's do, we'll yeah some, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Information. So we'll go through, we'll say, I guess, what, if there's been a temple in this country before, and then... Um, the number of stakes that this temple will serve that will kind of give you an idea of maybe how big the temple will be. So, okay. First, first one we have Wellington, New Zealand. This will be the third temple in New Zealand. Um, right now, it's closest to the Hamilton, New Zealand temple. That one's also another one that's been closed for renovation. It hasn't opened because of COVID. And then there's one under construction in Auckland, which is just right there next to the MTC. And there'll be eight stakes, two districts, and then also, also serve the Southern Island. So there's no temples on the Southern Island yet. All three are in the north. Um, so maybe in the future you'll get one for Christchurch, New Zealand. Is there a, a, a lot of population on the southern island? Not nearly as much, okay. but there are two stakes. There may be enough for a small temple. And hey, shouldn't there be a temple in Christchurch? Yes, yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, is, it, is it Brazzaville? Is that how you say? Brazzaville, yes. Republic of the Congo. This should not be confused with Democratic Republic of the Congo. I know that's pretty... Confusing for a lot of North Americans, but um, this was a French colony. Democratic Republic of Congo was a Belgian colony. And so Democratic Republic of Congo has um, three three temples, two announced, one and one there right now. And so Brazzaville is right across the river from Kinshasa. So it's it's nearly the same city, 
But because there's no bridge between these, these cities, um, it's pretty hard to get to the temple. So I think a temple is pretty justified for Brazzaville. Um, there's four stakes in the Republic of the Congo, and um, it will be this temple will be the 20th in Africa. That, that, that's crazy when you hear it. I, I hadn't put that statistic together. The 20th in Africa is pretty, uh, that's a pretty big deal for crying out loud. Right. Uh, next, we have Barcelona, Spain. And there'll be three or four stakes in one district. It's the second temple in Spain after Madrid. Um, it's located in that Catalonia region, which is some people there want to have it be a different country. Um, I guess since now we've almost integrated this weekend Mormons and the Cultural Hall. Hey, um, now watch friend... it, watch it. We are <laughs> we keep our friends close and our enemies closer. That's what we do. Gotcha. But yeah, our friend <laughs> Jeff served his mission there. So if you want more information on Barcelona in the future, talk to him. Oh, well, and they also uh, they announced that there is a, a new mission, or uh, right there in uh, the new Madrid North is now a new mission in the church. Just announced. Yeah, just a few years ago they they discontinued the mission in Malaga, but I guess they're getting a third mission again, and that brings us right into the United Kingdom as well. They also announced a new mission in Bristol, England, which is actually a reopening of the mission. But just a few years ago, they uh, discontinued the London South mission. So I guess we're back to five missions or six missions in, in England. Um, so the Birmingham, England temple will be the third temple in England um, and the third in the UK as well, because there's not any in Scotland, Ireland or Wales yet. This temple will serve about 12 stakes, including those stakes in Wales. And then it's right there in between the temples in Preston and in London. So kind of that midpoint. Uh, one of the ones that I really loved that was announced at General Conference because of the uh, Emperor's New Groove memes that came out about is the one in Cusco, Peru. That's right. That's a, that's a pretty famous city. Um, if you, anyone you hear visits Peru, they probably go to Cusco because that's right where Machu Picchu is. Um, it's a really old city and that city in the mountain obviously is pretty, it's a lot older. But yeah, that temple is the fifth temple in Peru, um, probably about three states, five districts. And, and, and then we got two more temples in Brazil. So we got one in Maceo, that'll be the 15th about nine stakes that's in the northeast region um and then one in santos which will be the 16th and that's about five stakes two districts um you could say that temple is maybe the fourth one for sao paulo because it's kind of in that, that that broad metropolitan area it's the port city just right there on the coast so a fun fact the last three temples that have been announced in brazil have all been port cities so i don't know what that means but that's hmm. what it is you know, I, I, I think it's worth and what I love about this conversation and how we're framing these conversations is think about it. You, you've thought about all these different temples in these different places. and You're like, oh, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Whatever. But when we put it in these groupings and say it is now going to be the 16th temple in Brazil, that's a, that's a huge deal. That's so awesome to be able to know that's the 20th in Africa. It's the 16th in Brazil. I've just... I think it's cool the way that we can group these and, and be able to really recognize the breadth of, uh, of temple work within the church. That's right. And speaking of a lot of temples in one country, uh, Mexico also got two more temples. It will be the 18th and the 19th temples in Mexico. So first, San Luis Potosí. Um, that will serve about six stakes. It's right, kind of right there in the center of the country. It's, it's not my choice of where a temple would have been announced. The mission's actually headquarters in Aguas Calientes. But San Luis Potosí is a slightly bigger city, so also pretty deserved. And then the other one was the second temple in Mexico City, the Mexico City Beni Merito Temple. Um, that will serve about 14 stakes. So this is a, a very um, important place for a lot of Mexicans because the um, Beni Merito uh, de las Americas High School was um, 
a high school that functioned for decades in Mexico City. It had this really large campus. And in 2013, they announced that they'd be closing the high school and it would be converted into an MTC campus. And so this area, a lot of Mexicans all around the country went to this high school. Um, a lot of them were sad about the closing of the high school, but I think a lot of them are very happy now that there's going to be a temple on the campus of this, um, of this MTC. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a little Utah. There's a bee on the mountain. Oh, cool. Um, just like a lot of the schools in Utah. And, and, then, and, and you have a particular co- connection to this mission? This is where you served? Um, so it's not where I served. I served in the Cancun mission, but my mission president is now the president of the MTC there. Hmm. And so I saw on Facebook um, a picture of him after the temple was announced. He took out all the missionaries at the MTC and he brought them to the field where supposedly the temple we built. And he, they all kneeled down and gave a prayer of gratitude. And so there's, there's plenty of large um, areas in the MTC that that temple could be built. And I think that that picture of them kneeling down um, at the MTC would probably be in the history books. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. You know what's so crazy is we've been talking for almost 15 minutes now, which is what I'm trying to have these segments be, but we can extend a little bit longer knowing that we have uh, a few more temples that we need to make our way through. Let's go to Tampa. Yeah, we'll do these rapid fire. So we have Tampa, be the fourth in Florida, um, six, seven stakes, and there's just a lot of farmland in Florida, so plenty of places to build a temple. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, the third temple in Tennessee, about five stakes. Um, the church recently bought property in, in Fargo, if you know where that is, um, in October. So suppose that might be where you get built. Uh, one I have particular interest, uh, the Cleveland, Ohio temple. Cleveland, yes. You could say it's the second temple, but you could also say it's the third temple. Because, of course, the Kirtland, Ohio temple was the first temple of this dispensation. Um, not to be f- confused with Kirkland, like the church newsroom said. I saw that, Costco. and that is my biggest pet peeve. In the church's <laughs> press release, they called it the Kirkland <laughs> Temple, like you could go buy it on the shelves at Costco. That's right. And I guess I have a, I have a little bit beef with some members of the church. They All the time they say, that, oh, we need to buy the Kirkland Temple back. I'm like, the, the temple never belonged to the Brighamite Church. Hmm. You can't say that it's ours to buy so I think hopefully having a temple in Cleveland a little bit elsewhere will probably dispel those rumors that we have to buy it back. Have you heard any speculation about whether it will be in Cleveland proper? Or I know from serving my mission there that there was some discussion that in Hiram, which is outside of Cleveland, there was sort of uh, prophesied that there would be a temple there where the church has some farm grounds, probably too early for speculation. You're better on this than me. Yeah. Who knows? They also have land in Kirtland. Maybe they could build like a replica or something. I, I don't know. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like we find, yeah. we take our own land and go, yeah, right here. And people go, wait, why am I seeing double? We're like, no, this one's ours. <laughs> We're doing this one ourselves. That's what, right. What so about there'll be three or four stakes there. What about Wichita, Kansas? Wichita. This is the first one in Kansas. The Kansas City Temple is actually in Missouri. So that's not in Kansas. Be about four stakes. Um, right now, the Kansas City, Kansas stake is outside that 200 miles. So there'll be one in there in Kansas. Uh, one that was super exciting for a bunch of people that uh, help out with the cultural hall, the Austin, Texas Temple. Yep, that's the seventh temple in Can- in Texas. And we just got one in Fort Worth last time, and there's one under construction in McAllen right now. So that's Austin will have about eight or nine states. And Montana? I was really surprised to hear about Missoula, Montana. Yeah, just a year ago, Helena, Montana Temple was announced. And so um, that temple's pretty small. It's like a modular construction temple. So I guess there's enough. The temple's small enough that you need another temple there. Well, it'll be probably about four stakes from Missoula. And people don't recognize how vast Montana is. It's not very populated, but like 
to get from Helena to, Mon- to Missoula is a lot of hours. So when we hear about, you know, all these temples being up there, they, I think they will be really small temples, but they need to do it because it is four, five, six hours of Montana driving to get from one of these to another. That's right. Yep. But not in Idaho, not in Montpelier, Idaho. <laughs> not in Idaho. So yeah, a new temple in Montpelier, Idaho, not not Vermont, not France, but Idaho. Um, this will probably have about six stakes, um, maybe some in Idaho, one in Wyoming. It's near the Bear Lake area, so it's right there on the kind of the border of Wyoming and Utah. The closest one is Star Valley right now, which I guess is a little bit of a drive, especially in the winter. Um, this will be the ninth temple in Idaho. Uh, the church has a, a, a tabernacle right there in Montpelier that's this really um, round design. It's really unique for um, the church's tabernacles. And so the church has quietly been buying a property just across the street there where the city hall used to be. And personal connection, I have ancestors that settled there near Paris, Idaho. They have a really cool tabernacle. So there's a lot of good um, architectural influences that they can design the temple with. Is there any chance you think that they would take the tabernacle like they did with the city center temple in Provo and say, boom, let's make this a temple? Or you're just thinking... It's way expensive to do that. And so because the Provo tabernacle was burnt down, they kind of already had the justification to do that. I don't, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't put my money. But you are saying right close though. Probably across the street, yeah. Awesome. Uh, which leads us to, as, as as far as I can see in my notes, the last temple we'll talk about in this time. Again, we'll have Corey back once a month to be able to give us the latest and greatest updates in these temples. Uh, but Modesto, California. That's right. This will be the uh, 10th temple in California. Probably serve about seven stakes. Um, it's right there in between Oakland, Sacramento, Fresno area. And there's speculation there's some large baseball fields up there by the North Stake Center. So that might be where it goes. And we don't play baseball anymore, so put a temple there. <laughs> bring people That's to right. bring people to the Lord. Uh, Corey, amazing and awesome. I know that it's going to be a heavy lift every general conference that we have uh, with President Nelson announcing more and more and more. But I appreciate just being able to run through these quick with you and uh, being able to keep people updated. You can follow in the show notes for all of these notes. We'll make those available. And uh, is there anywhere that people can follow you? Do you share this kind of stuff on the regular or only when you're asked? Um, only when I asked, sometimes I write articles on This Week in Mormons, so you can look out for those. Okay, and we can share those so that make people can make sure and see them. Do you know, Corey, do you know the outro for the cultural hall? Are you versed well enough to be able to take a part of this? <sighs> Go ahead. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. We hope that if you are sick or otherwise afflicted, that you'll be here next time. And that uh, when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Brother Brent, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, and Miracles, I Told You So, will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.